that gets really gets you into um, you enter like a portal away from society. Yeah, it's not a bad uh, it's not a bad uh, impetus here. Yeah. In these here United States, United States of America. So you were like two months, like you were, you were three when uh, the towers fell. How old were you? Yeah. You don't. Yeah. God. See, that's a big difference. That's a big difference between your generation and anyone who literally experienced that as a real thing. Right? Three is like the age where you start making your first memory. And um, when I try to like recall the day, I can't tell if my memory is real or imagined. Mm-hmm. Like, well, am I thinking about? Because I do remember what I was in preschool at the time. Yeah. And it happened. It was a day. You know, it happened. It was on. They told us to go home and whatever. Um, but I can't tell is like was that a real memory or am I just remembering all the things in the preschool and imagining how that could have happened I imagining on the TV in the preschool being like and them you're piecing it together yeah. it's like blow up but in your mind. <laughs> yeah. I love blow ups great movie I like it too yeah. I know he gets a lot of shit for being uh, pretentious or whatever but I think it's a pretty it's a it's a it's a it's a kind of um, seductive movie yeah I mean I think it's important to understand how photography works. Right. Yeah. That that too is cool. Yeah. I like the scenes in the in the room that he's the developing room. Or yeah. It's well, I mean, the most important thing is like the way he's looking. It's just speckles of grain. Yeah. You know, like the fo- that the photograph's not actually representing reality. I saved. Speaking of speckles of grain, I saved the LA Times of the next morning. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the towers burning, I think I still have it. Um, and that was a major, like for me, that was like my Woodstock or something. <laughs> like it was literally uh, because. I had become very active politically, yeah. mentally, red-pilled and all that shit and was writing for a full year. Yeah. Um, I started, I basically I wrote my first thing ever and started my newsletter in high school, my alternative high school newspaper yeah. in the, the previous school year, so 10th grade. So it was that, March is when I like wrote my first thing it was about affirmative action and, and you were a uh, sorry to cut you off but you were like a uh, kind of like Thomas Sowell uh, I was basically like a Thomas Sowell uh, conservative libertarian yeah. I hadn't I was just then you know like there was a period before I got brand pilled there was okay. a brief period and then like that summer or so I can't remember exactly when but it was free. I'm trying to think because an English teacher yeah it was like that summer that I started reading Iran and that gave me a whole like different perspective yeah trajectory on on um, 
everything. Um, so it was like, yeah, it started out with the Thomas Sowell stuff, which I found in my dad's library, by the way. I found yeah. Thomas Sowell's The Vision of the Anointed in his library. Yeah, yeah. I read that. I read P.J. Rourke books. Those are like my first little forays. Um, there's some other things I'm probably forgetting. That, but that, they, they, they were the main thing, you know? Like, And then there was, of course, the ongoing music of talk radio. Um, and so I got all up into it. And then I get, you know, like, yeah, I start, I think I start reading Rand, like, that summer. Uh, really beginning with Capitalism, the Unknown Ideal. That's the one that, like, was, like, set my mind on fire. We were assigned Anthem in the 10th grade. So my teacher's the one, when I was asking him for, like, I was saying, like, what are good pro-capitalists? You know, we know all the anti-capitalist stuff. What's a good pro-capitalist book? He's like, well, you know, Ayn Rand actually wrote a pro-capitalist book. Um, and that's how I found out about it. Like, my very hippy-dippy English teacher, sweet guy, but no control of the class. He, like, he had a rock band in the early 80s that was pretty successful called The Silver Tears, I believe. Mr. Henderson, Tim Henderson. I think it was called The Silver Tears. Got, like, a you know, for a year and a half, a good run. He told me about that book. And so... All of this, and so I start the newsletter and all this stuff, having a good time, like really hair, hair on fire. That 9-11 fucking happens. The beginning of the school year. Like the second day of school of that of my junior year. I think it was literally the second day. It could have been the... It, it could have been the first, but I think it's the second, just like going, because it was a Friday, right? So yeah, I think school started Thursday, and then Friday that happens. And I go, and I'm like, I arrive in a state of like, I'm like ready for a war, like I am just, I was like, I, I, woke, I woke up, towers are burning on TV, everyone's disoriented, at my kitchen table, my grandma's watching, my mom's watching, my grandfather's watching. And I was just like, I was ready. I was already ready. I was like, what the, like, like, you know, I get to school, people are watching on their, everyone's watching in the classrooms. Um, and that whole week was so surreal. That whole week, like, I remember eventually that night, that day, or evening, it was a Friday. So I ended up in, back in Hollywood, Little Armenia area in Franklin, Franklin Village. Um, and there was like a, a spontaneous. First of all, I remember on the way back, on the way east, every weekend I would drive go east with my dad's side of the family. On the way east, the Sunset Strip, right around Book Soup. Um, I don't know if you've been to LA. Anyway, Sunset Strip, right around Book Soup, there's this black woman by herself holding up an, a, a big, like a full size American flag just on the street corner. Like, just proudly. Um, like a. Uh, she looked like a track athlete type. Um, I see that. I end up go to Franklin Village, which is the strip right across from the Scientology Celebrity Center on Franklin Avenue in Hollywood. A few restaurants and stuff, bookstore, later UCB Theater open up there. And there was like a spontaneous just rally of just people like getting out on the street, waving flags, and just like a patriotic, spontaneous rally living there. I remember that. Never forget that. Um, the next day was a UCLA football game where there was a huge flag spread out across the Rose Bowl field. 
everyone chanting USA, entire stadium, Democrats, Republicans, everyone. It was a very, uh, it was a, it was such a cataclysmic event, and it, and it kind of, you know, if you were already thinking about things, it forced you to be like, well, this is a world in which you have to take sides, and that was why, um, you know. So many of us, like people like Christopher Hitchens as well, people like Oriana Falaci who wrote this absolute sermon, like off, like this is like, I've been, I'm just reading it now. I knew about it at the time, and I knew about her very well. But I found this at Mercer Street Bookstore last time I was here in August, which was like crazy that they had it. I didn't think they would possibly carry it for nine bucks, whatever. Pride, the the, the rage of the pride, and. Um, you know, you saw how so many people were forced to take sides, and there was this, and there were people who were like slammed the brakes, obviously, because they they were suspicious of the the uh, saber saber rattling and the war machine and the kind of like the, the the thirst for revenge, um, and of course, those who slammed the brakes for that reason were correct to do so but on the other hand there was a lot of people who were just slamming the brakes because they literally thought America kind of deserved it that's the part that you kind of don't really hear about anymore but that's like that is like a lot of people I mean and, and when I say a lot I mean like among the lefties yeah. who were the, among the lefties who were like actually um, you know Palestine um, oil you know like all that like the majority of that wasn't Camille Paglia or Donald Trump having the perspective that becoming, you know, like just shelling the Middle East is going to be a big problem and not a solution. Yeah. It was more just like people being little bratty leftists, honestly. You know? um, I mean, that's, that's still common. Like, uh, people will be saying about... Okay, why is you know this third world country shitty? I was trying to get their fucking attention. Uh, because of U.S. interventionism, and that's why you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, and I get to some degree, I get it. Like, if I lived in a country where that's constantly being bombed, and I'm told that these are bombs, are ultimately U.S. bombs, right? I understand how that would generate young fanatics who would want revenge. Like, I get that 100. Um, I don't know. That's I don't know that that's quite how it worked. Though. I don't know if that that that's quite how these people were created because these were like rich Arab kids that, uh, you know, I'm not like a fucking expert on it anymore because I've forgotten most of them. I just tried to pretend these people don't exist, honestly. I don't want to think about them. Yeah. But like, they weren't, you know, most usually uh, suicide bombing terrorists are like, usually they're, it's, it's, a, it's something of a, like, rich kid hobby, honestly, that kind of level of terrorism. It's not the desperate thing. I mean, we all know, like, Osama, Osama Bin Laden is. Like, it's sort of a, it's sort yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't, you know, it's not, yeah, the ones they strap vests on and send into Israel, they're not. But, but maybe they just like the vests. Yeah, but anyway, you have no, but your consciousness of it is super... Super early. I don't even think it's there really. 
Yeah, it's a difference. But the I mean, thing there's a whole different world before I was born. Yeah, it's a totally different world, and it was sort of, you know, the more I think about it, um, it's not even so much what the event like. My kingdom for a refill. <laughs> what? Maybe put the top. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna wave my. I'm gonna wave my napkin like a like a soccer fan. Can I get a refill of coffee, please? Get a refill of coffee, please. Coffee? Yeah, water. And water, please. Yes. I was a. I was super hawkish. As a result yeah. of that, I became. Oh, super as a result. Yeah, yeah. As a result, I was like, that was what turned. That was what like. You know, it's like, how do you not defend? <laughs> things, like, things change when you bring the camera out. Yeah, I know. I know. They finally. And just some water. Water. Seriously, you need to pay power to get to get to order. Oh really? Not an hour, but like, it, like I ordered 15 minutes after sitting down. Thank you, thank you, appreciate it. Ah, he's giving us the bottle. Is that good service or bad service? I think it's just like, you know, I don't want to be bothered again. So. Yeah. This is probably Israeli or some shit. I feel like this is a no. It's, it's clearly a Jewish type of deli, but they look like they're Israelis. Or I mean, Gaza has a different connotation now. What, what does it mean? Oh right. What does Zaza mean? Does it mean weed? Oh, it just means, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's, God, I'm. I mean, it's like, it's like a dumb check. Yeah, Zaza Gabur. Zaza. Zaza Gavay. Um Wait, I, sorry, I want to detour from my life. Go ahead. What did you listen to growing up in LA? Listen to? Mm -hmm. Radio-wise or um, music? -wise? Yeah. Oh, music. I'm super, I'm super old-fashioned with my music. I would listen to the oldies station first, KRS 101, and then my dad would impose the jazz station, yeah. KJazz 88.1. At the time it was called KLON, and I even like volunteered for their pledge drives, which is actually really cool, because you go to their radio station, this probably had a formative influence on me that I haven't even unpacked, but when I was like 9, 10 years old, go to the radio station in Long Beach uh, and answer calls for the, during their NPR pledge drives, because they're like an NPR affiliate, yeah. you know? And they had a, um, there was a legendary DJ still kicking at the time named Chuck Niles. He was like, like a jazz DJ, you know, legend for decades and decades. Very like specific voice, very cigarette smoky voice. Um, and he was like the three, three to seven p.m. guy. And then on the weekends, they had nothing. This show called Nothing But the Blues. They still have it. Um, and ultimately, it was the influence of these two stations that kind of crafted my musical tastes. So my my series of like. It was a, the very first concert I saw was James Brown in Brentwood at this festival. Uh, the second concert I saw was Little Richard at the Long Beach Blues Festival, which is like the festival that the radio station would put on. Um, so it was like Little Richard, James Brown, and then I got really into Diana Ross, and I got really into uh, Tom Jones. Like Carlton, fucking 
from the freshmen of Bel Air. You know, yeah, the, Car I was basically a black Republican who was into Tom Jones. You know, it's like the same thing. And then I got really into Ray Charles and Tina Turner, and then like all the blues guys started in high school, like the, you know, like BB King and uh, Buddy Guy, and all these like all the blues guys, Muddy Waters, all of them. I got all into it. I got all nerdy about that, and then I got into Al Green, this, all these things. And then it was in college when I, I, I finally I opened up into like Bob Dylan, uh, Leonard Cohen, that type of thing, classic rock, and then. It's only in the last five years that I've opened up into like electronic stuff. So I'm all over the map. But very detached from, I was very rebellious to Spice Girls, all my sister's favorites. Britney, Spice Girls, Voice to Men, uh, InSync, which also, all of which she adored. Uh, she liked, she was into all the people, you know, normal things. And I was rebellious of all, against all of them. I thought I was like very superior. And you seem like attracted to the sort of. Uh, it's. I don't think it's just like a musician. It's kind of a, like an icon of some sort. That's so, a, singer songwriter could be, or it could be musician like singer. Or that's it. That's the people you describe to me. Yeah, I do. They're all kind of icons, aren't they? Yeah, I'm sort of. I'm sort of. I always felt like I always like imbibed this. Um, you know, my dad's framing of it all, which was that, oh, Britney Spears can't sing. Like, she's not even, it's not real music. This isn't real music. That's, this is real music. This is like actual music with instruments. This is all auto-tune and this is all, you know, uh, studio. Boomer. Total, no, no, 100%. It's a total boomer point of view. But it is what, but it, I did kind of like, it, it infected me because I was like, yeah, I'm attracted to the voice. Attracted to like the voice, not so much the, um, you know, like I don't, I would not get, I, I was not disposed to giving Britney credit for the spectacle of her yeah. act, you know? Like, which is, which People is tie those limitation. In, in now. Yeah, they yeah, totally yeah. tie it in yeah. now. Now it's like one, one goes with the other. Yeah. And then you would feel, and then you would hear shit like, you know, this is the oldest one trick in the book, but like when the people hear shit like, oh yeah, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan doesn't have a good voice. <laughs> you take a candid there very slickly. Yeah. I didn't take anything yet. Mm -hmm. The clicks betray I'm gonna get you desensitized to the Yeah, to the clicky click clicks. Yeah. Nice. I kind of have a weird uh, face, you know. I have a weird, like, lopsided face that has different, looks different from me, no matter what. You? Yeah, don't I? It's kind of different. It looks very symmetrical from here. But I hope your camera agrees. <laughs> My camera is going to do what it's going to do. I yeah, guess. that's true. Your camera does not, is no respecter of persons. No. Um, yeah, so. But did you ever listen to? Did you ever like instrumental jazz or? It was harder for me. I liked it. Yeah. I liked. I, I also boomerish. I liked the structure. I liked. I liked what jazz was structure over jazz that was purely improvisational. Yeah. So yeah, some of it I liked, but like I never like got it. Became a jazz. You head. like great American songwriting. That too. I always liked that too. Yeah. I was into that shit. Oh. 
you know, Sarah Vaughn singing Black Coffee and singing about Key Largo and, and stuff. Like, there was like a cinematic uh, element to it. The girl from me, but yeah, the, the Glenn Greenwald song. Is that his song? Well, no, yeah, he's, he's but he's got, that's where he like found his uh, the love of his life and oh, decided really? to settle right on Ipanema Beach. So oh, wow. the girl from Ipanema was, ben, was Glenn Greenwald's uh, husband, David, basically. Yeah. And he's the one who went, ah, uh, like all the people go in the song. <laughs> um, I've just heard the instrumental that many, because my brother's a jazz musician, so. Oh, shit, nice. Yeah. That's my dad cute. would be. Um, my dad loved, you know. Do you know what the real book is? The real book. Yeah. Yeah. It was like. Do you know what like jazz? Quran. No. <laughs> no, but it's like um, jazz standards. Like you know that term. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So like, for musicians, they would have like the real book, and it'd be a compilation of all these standards in one place. Okay. So for like jazz musicians. You're not supposed to, but like, it's good if you know like, ma- basically every tune in that book. So right. if you go to a jam session, let, let's just pick any song. We all know this song we're gonna play from this. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's easy. Yeah, it's uh, it's like the great. It's the easy kind of repertoire for yeah. the traveling jazzmen. Exactly. Yeah. But those a lot of those songs were pre. 1960s I'm oh sure. yeah I know yeah. most of them are like 20s and 30s yeah actually. exactly yeah um, one of my favorites which I was so pleased to see in um, the folk, basically the very first chapter of Bob Dylan's new book Bob Dylan just came out with a book called The Philosophy of Modern Song where he basically heard, he basically just does a little mini essay on you know 45 different songs specifically by who performs them and like like dissecting them type he's like, of like he just like he'll do a little riff like it's almost like he's a DJ introducing the song and doing a riff on the various you know the various meanings in this and also the history of the song and why this version he likes so much and so on and it's one of the earliest songs in there one of the first songs in that book and I haven't read it all yet is uh, Without a Song which I've used in my podcast and which I love um, yeah. it's a very old song in like 1917 is something is when it was written but it was it's a jazz standard for a while although it's not like you know regularly it's not as common as something like Ipanema it's, yeah, yeah. it's a little bit more of a deep cut but yeah my, my dad he actually he put out an album recently oh nice him singing uh, and my brother and his like quartet playing the background um, and my dad he has like select tunes that are kind of like deeper cuts that he revived yeah um like the lamp is low, but he also played like Sweet Georgia Brown and uh, uh, Route 66 and stuff right. like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then yeah. mixed in with like other so invitation or You're Mine, You and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I like him because my like I feel like it's a portal to a different world because uh, I because I have total like 21st century brain like not even yeah not even like 1990s yeah yeah, yeah. you're yeah or maybe maybe 90s I don't know no but it just it that's the thing that always just like I've been so like aware of now for about I don't know five years or so when ever since I was at some. Uh, I was at some birthday party something with relatives and stuff and there was a 24, 25 year old I mean I, at the time I was like 32 or whatever I mean yeah, it was like yeah. not that far between yeah, us yeah. 
who didn't know what I Love Lucy was, and I was just like so shocked by that. I was like, I knew that you're not gonna know what, you know, I know that you're not gonna know what books are, I know that you're not gonna know what like that stuff, but that you did, or even old movies, but that not knowing I Love Lucy. Like one of the most popular like TV shows. Yeah, which I was so ubiquitous with me growing up that, and everyone, like it was just, we were all, my millennial, like people my age, could, could just easily just talk about I Love Lucy. But what was that on at the time? It was on not only Nickelodeon, Nickel, Nick at Night, Nick all, at the, night, all yeah, the time, yeah. but it was also on Fox 11, yeah. like reruns all the time. Yeah. So it was like really inescapable. I mean, I'd seen every episode a zillion times. Did they, they don't still do Nick at Night. Right. Uh, no, because I think they just have TV Land, and that yeah. just is their... Okay. Or at least, I don't even know, TV Land even does new programming now. It used I mean, to be. it's a brilliant idea, because that's why, you know... I love Nick at Night. Yeah, like, you know, I growing up, I watched whatever the, at the time, Spongebob, Drake and Josh, yeah. and then at night, you know, it'd be like... Grown-up shows. Fresh Prince. Yeah. Yeah. And in my day, it was really old stuff. Yeah. Nick at Night of my day was, like... Oh, and not just, I Love Lucy's obvious, yeah. like other shows from the 60s and 50s. Like the, the newest show they had was that, no, that's, was that 70s show. Not that 70s, sorry. <laughs> God, Happy Days, Happy, Happy Days. days yeah. Happy Days and Brady Bunch were like the newest yeah. at the time. And, and so it wasn't like, because all the other shows were like on live TV, cheer. I mean, those are like yeah. basically live. Yeah. Um, Did you like Cheers? I've only recently started watching it because I had one of its head writers on my show. Oh, okay. My friend Rob Long. And I do like Cheers. Okay. I, it's really good, actually. I don't know if you've ever watched it. I tried. I was just like, it just seemed hokey to me. Watch? Especially because, like, I grew up watching Seinfeld. Yeah. And that's like the post sitcom sort of. Yeah. Show. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's before The Simpsons and everything made, you know, and Larry Sanders show and everything. Yeah. But if you, like, Go move to the later seasons with Kirstie Alley. Okay, yeah. Um, she's so good, and there's like a bit. It gets pretty raunchy sometimes, right. and like in an impressive way. And yeah, it's not. It's not in any way ironic, okay. but it's also like for what for within the confines of a traditional sitcom. It's pretty impressive. Like there's some good, really like fun episodes, and it's like just fun. I mean, it's pleasant. I, yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed watching a bunch of them yeah. before that. You know. Wait, so was Cheers the spinoff of Frasier or the other way? Around? The other way around. Frasier's the spinoff of Cheers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my brother watched like all of Frasier. But look at look at everyone in that show became huge in Cheers. Kirstie Alley, Woody uh, uh, Harrelson, yeah. uh, Chelsea, Kelsey Grammer, obviously. Yeah. Who else? Uh, what's her name? The the one who was before Kirstie Alley. Fuck. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forget her name. But like Ted uh, Danson. Ted Danson. Like all these like fucking like endless careers were made out of that show. Yeah. And there's some we're forgetting. I'm forgetting, I know. Do you like Boston? As a city? Yeah. I don't have a special regard for it, to be honest. There's nothing to do. I just found there's nothing to do. I've, I've, I've been there only a couple days at a time. Yeah. But just like, nothing about it has like reached out. Yeah. Me. I just, I always hear people, that's his, it's historic. Like, I guess. They have to say it's a story. You know what I mean? It's, it's old. Like, yeah, that's like it's like when yeah, it's like when Armenians have to say that we're the first uh, Christian nation or something. It's like, all right, well, you know, what have you done for me lately? Is always going to be the thing response to people's minds, you know. So yeah, historic is always. I, or what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Boston. 
I mean, I don't like the vibes I get from Boston people. No, they're awful people. Some no, of them no are offense. cute, but yeah, they're mostly no, just like no, really No, they're all mostly ugly. Like New York, you're like spoiled. Like anywhere you go, you're just gonna see beautiful looking people. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe how many hot people are going. I know. Right it's now. like yeah. This is right now. It's like. The, the craziest it's ever been. Yeah. The, now, from between July, my, I, I was here in July, I was here in August. Yeah. Here now. These three trips, I've never seen so many hot people. It's like a high density. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. They all seem like hot rich kids who are just swarming yeah. the city. Well, that aesthetic that ha uh, happens especially when you're in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get, I, once you get into further parts of like going to Brooklyn, it's like, I'm sure it's a different scene. Yeah, it's, you know, more working class type people. Yeah, of course. I mean, New York, that's what I like about New York, too, is that it's so cute. Like L.A., yeah. in a sense, like L.A., it's got, you know, it's it goes into places that you don't necessarily yeah. think of. Which is, which is, I like that. I mean, I like that it has like, these fucking giant, like, like, you know, layer, layers surrounding the shiny apple in the middle. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I went to LA in like January. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I hadn't been there since I was little. What so did you think? I liked it. I mean, what was your trip? What did you do? We stayed. It wasn't like super touristy because the first half we stayed with my my dad's cousin in Pasadena. Yeah. Um, and then the second half I stayed with friends in like North Hollywood. And okay. I mean, not the not I mean not bad North Hollywood anymore. It's a, it's a decent spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was like, him and his girlfriend were working most of the day, so like, I think for like two days, me and my girlfriend, we had to just kind of go out and about, and we went, what's that museum downtown? It's like the, the Brood or the Broad the, or whatever. Yeah, the Broad, I think. Yeah, which is cool. I don't know if I've been there yet. I think I've been there once. And then we went to, one night we went to like the new Beverly Cinema. Oh, uh, Tarantino yeah. Cinema. Yeah. What did you watch there? Uh, In the Mood for Love. <laughs> yeah. Did you make it to the Getty? Any of the Getty? Yeah, we did go to the Getty, yeah. Um, that was fun. and It was fun to like lay in the grass and take in the sunset. Yeah, so, yeah. It, the best part of the Getty is the outdoor garden area. Yeah. Probably the main Getty. I've, I've still never been to the Getty Villa. Which is yeah, the that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know what they have there, really. I think it's just like, it's a beautiful villa with a ton of fucking art of his yeah. personal collection. Yeah. Um, it's different than the Getty Museum. So I want to keep an eye on the. Uh, oh yeah, for the light. On the natural light, yeah. Okay, let's. Uh, I'll let me get the. Let me get the. Uh, it was really nice uh, before, um, so I'm curious what it's gonna be like when we get out. But it will actually suit the mood if it's darker. I okay. think, Yeah. I'll take the check. The universal. Yeah. The universal. <laughs> um, but you know, I actually really like the LA traffic. Because I feel like I had time to listen to podcasts like, in the car. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, 30 minutes anywhere. Like, let's mm. get this in. You know. Um, yeah, it's good to it's good to um, think about these things as you know blessings instead of uh, major annoyances. The, the only thing, like you know, New York is you have a higher rate of incidental contact with somebody famous. When I feel like in LA, you're making more of a concerted effort to go Definitely. To, to a certain place. It's like wherever you want to go, you got to get in the car. I literally, in my, you know, not that many, not that much time spent in New York overall. Like, you know, I come, I've been here so, so many times for a few days at a yeah. time. 
I've literally, I can think, I ran, I run into Kelsey Grammer on the street. Yeah. He made a joke at the expense of his like five year old son and <laughs> turned to me for a knowing appreciation of his joke. Yeah. Uh, I met an NFL wide receiver Donald Driver at a fucking piano bar randomly. Yeah. And he bought me a drink. I last time I was here, Robert Pattinson was at a plate. It was at a gathering. Yeah. Whatever. I didn't even know who he was, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, so I could, I could think of three right off the top. Yeah, and like, yeah. I, I struggle to remember my L.A. celebrity encounters. I yeah. mean, there's there's been some, like, yeah, in yeah. random public places, obviously. But it's, like, so few and far between, you don't even think of it. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, um, you know, everybody lives there, but it's like you're in your little... Your well, your orbit. You have your own orbit. Yeah, yeah you're in your little uh, domain. Yeah. It doesn't. There isn't too much that crosses unless you force it. Yeah. Which is what I do too. <laughs> you know, I mean, I try to force it sometimes by yeah. just by just you know simply by maintaining a large footprint and, and getting going places. And, you know. Yeah. I don't. I don't hunt celebrities. No, I mean, it's boring. I don't even want to meet. I don't. There's no one I want to meet other than like David Lynch and Bob Dylan, who are still alive. I can't think of anyone else that I like. Oh, I'm of course like someone like Camille Paglia. But in yeah, terms yeah. of like, in terms of like, uh, you know what you would say? You already have it like thought for about. with Bob or with, any of them. I mean, I didn't. I did run into Leonard Cohen okay, by yeah. Kismet, and wasn't totally prepared. But we said is what we could say. My friend and I. This was like 2014. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would say. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't have it prepared because I don't yeah. think that it, I don't think it'll ever work out in such a way yeah. well, that you would have a cam line to tell this. No, 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 it wouldn't work. But what, what I find works the best is like as for me, as soon as you see the person, that like you immediately maybe not always. You have to go up when your courage is up, you know, and yeah. say something. I always, I, yeah, I have the courage to do that now. I mean, I, I, I'm not shy about these things anymore. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I do plot when I like see the person. I'm like, gotta find the right hand. Yeah. Yeah. You want them to, yeah, for your own, your own, the sake of your own memory of the encounter. Yeah, exactly. That's all it like, is. It's will like, they remember? You don't really know. No, but you'll remember, and yeah. you want to be proud that you said the Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. That's all it is. That's funny. Yeah, apparently, um, I forgot who I was talking to yesterday, but with like Apocalypse Now, right? He like Apocalypse bankrupted himself, and then then he thought he could do the same thing with the Cotton Club, but like it got just horrible press. Yeah, it didn't get the success. <laughs> yeah. That Apocalypse Now. Yeah, Apocalypse Now, he gave up his feed, he gave up, like, all this shit. Yeah. And now he has some move, new movie coming out where I guess he sold off, like, his half of his vineyard. Oh, my God, he did. And he's, like, cashing in so he can make this. No shit. His that's one... coming out next year. I hope, well, for his sake, I hope that, because he, like, he hasn't made a movie that's, that's like, landed. Stuck a landing yeah. in many decades. So he's got a really... He's got to, if he did that, I got to think that he must be feeling like he wants to make one last statement. So that's the, that's look how, the. Look how monstrous. Well, as, so in 19, my very first trip to New York, as I was telling you, yeah. I literally came to the World Trade Center 
my mom, and it was, I think it was 1998, and we ate at the very top. When I was born. Yeah, to when you were fucking born. <laughs> yeah. You were being born in a hospital, and I was at the very top floor of the World Trade Center at eating at Windows on the World. Wow. At the very top floor. It was so, it was disorienting. It was disorienting to be so high. I remember looking at the windows and it was just like you're fucking flying, just being up there. I haven't been all the way to the top of this new one, but I've been up pretty far. Is the, is the memorial up top or down low? Um, it's down low, I'm guessing. Well, here's it. Here's that up there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so this could be your first time seeing it? Yeah, yeah. Never, seen it, never seen it. Never seen it. Never been back since... I mean, I've been to the, this area. I've never yeah. been to... Well, also, when did it open? When did the memorial finally open? It wasn't... It's gotta be 10 years ago. Oh, it's been that long. Okay. I thought it took forever to get there. That's why. Now, because of water. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get, be getting lots of nice wind ambience. Yeah. This sleeve, is, this sleeve does a good job of... of uh, I have the same thing. Yeah. Your furry friend. And I fully friend. It looks like <laughs> makes it look like a little Russian fella. Yeah. Ah, uh, so here it is. Okay. Here's one of the pools. Here it is. Jesus. And the names. Here are the names. Yeah. I don't see any Jewish names. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Milstein. <laughs> Who said there's Wait, no Milstein? Well, I don't know. I mean, no, it could. <laughs> I could be. Oh God, it's it's. I'm gonna go. Oh, this is crazy. This is like being at Pearl Harbor. Uh. It's almost like a direct, like, tunnel to Pearl Harbor, you know, yeah. going down into, down into the bottom of the, the well. Yeah. This reminds me of her description, Oriana's description, of watching from her window, the layers of, of people jump out of the windows. That's the most haunting part of the whole thing, is the layers of the people jumping out of the windows and for, at first flying, and then at last just dropping. And, oh. Sun is peeking out.
De La Pena, Robert D. Madsen, Michael DeDeal. Blonde pile. Sure, yeah, let's let's circle it. There was a blonde uh, like Aunt Coulter type who was in the plane that I think in the uh, in the one that went the uh, flight 93, the one that was uh, you know where the the hero, what's his name? It was the hero who tackled the so that it crashed before hitting the you know wherever it was headed. Barbara Olson, her name. She'd written, she'd just written a book about the Clintons, you know, being crooks or whatever. Ann Coulter? Or she was an Ann Coulter type, oh, okay. a blonde, like, kidding. she was a blonde conservative pundit, and she was on one of those planes, and then her book was a bestseller and so on. And people, you know, she was on Fox News and stuff, but like, this yeah. is one of the characters that, had she still been around, yeah. she might be a gay icon right now, <laughs> just like Ann Coulter is, you know. Is that camp? Bar huh? Is that camp? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Let's get to you standing in the light over there. Okay. Merida de Jesus. Stand right there. Here. Should I hide the mic or hold it? What do you. Okay. Should I hide the book? Keep the book.
Should I take off my jacket for a second? You're gonna have to brace the cold. Yeah, I know, I'm freezing, but... I will respectfully. I'm glad we got a little glimpse of light. What's up? I'm glad we got a little glimpse of light. Absolutely. Here, let me take the sleeve off just so you can get a picture of it without the sleeve. I gotta figure out a way to get a picture of you with this and oh. it not be backlit, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That work? I love this, like, oh, I didn't even dazzling and the light. I mean, it's really cool about sculpture art like this because you know it changes how how it looks at all points in the day. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you come back in the morning, it's oh, yeah. different. It's beautiful. I mean, it's it's, it's extremely moving. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to kind of control myself. <laughs> I'm really trying to control myself. I can easily get lost. In this. I can easily go down that well. And let let the waterworks flow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could happen if I let too many uh, too many sentiments get loose. It couldn't be anything else. It couldn't be the guys erecting the, the flag. Yeah, because that would have been too... That would have been too... Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, that, that would have been too commemorative. Yeah. Versus this is an emotional monument. Yeah. This is an emotion. This is like, this is trying to capture the actual fucking... Uh, just sudden vacancy and collapse yeah. of a monument to our fucking to our to our greatness like there goes the sun there goes the sun <laughs> <laughs> it's got such a tight little window too on this place Literally by the time I came here the second time, it was uh, gone. My second time was spring break junior year, 2001, yeah. Two, 2002. 
2002? Yeah, whatever. 2002. Gone. It's already gone. So, like, I got, I was super emo. We went to this Empire State Building, went to the top of the Empire State Building, and, like, you know, everyone was extremely obvious. This was, like, this moment of major New York appreciation, you know? Uh, everyone was pro New York. I love New York. All this shit. Yeah. And then a thought I, you know, the, the thought I sentimentally had just recently was that the terrorists lost <laughs> because they forced America to appreciate New York again. Which it's easy to hate New York all the time, you know. And that really changed. That really like like restored this immense amount of sentimental feeling about New York City that had pretty much kind of been, you know, not muted at that point. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, New York had this, it was like bad in the 80s, you know, gnarly in the 80s, yeah. and that people were bitching about the 90s and, and being all Disney or whatever. You know, it was a great revival, but it was still like bitched about yeah. by the uh, artsy fartsy types. <laughs> so this shut all of that down and forced everyone to like get super uh, super, you know, uh, gooey about New York. Yeah, but of course, the sentiments of like unity were were rallied into like you know war in the Middle East, right? Oh, f certainly. Yeah. There had there had to be there had to be a an outlet, basically. Yeah. And that that that's what it was. And he, before the wind was blowing all the rain up here. So people were getting soaked. Yeah. I, mean, I, I keep forgetting, maybe, what do they call this building? The white building? I don't know, is it uh That was the one I was trying to tell you is about. Is that the, the mall? Bill, yeah. That, that's what it's, is it just the mall? I don't know. I don't know, I mean, there's like a, the mall? <laughs> When you said the mall, I thought of like the mall in Washington, no, which is not no, a mall. It's that. It's that place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's cute. It's cute. Cute. And it's just it, it looks so small when you look at it, right? Like the footprint of the of each building it yeah. looks so small. It looks like we could just like run across there in like 15 seconds. Yeah. We, we can't, but it, it feels that way. And it's like this entire fucking tower. Power of uh, of action yeah. from such a narrow footprint. Non-stop, endless action. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think you could go in there. Yeah, yeah. Although there's something on the top that that there's like some rotating restaurant or oh, something. Really? I mean, yeah. it, it has to be something, unless it's just an observation deck. I don't know. Yeah. Let's go to the flower. Yeah. That's a very that's a nice flower. Whoever managed to fit that in. Somebody fits, has put a white rose into the L of Ganesh K. Latkat. 
I'm assuming someone who knows the person who died. David Rosenbaum. I think we've I think we've refuted the conspiracy theory here. Brooke, really? da Brooke David Rosenbaum. I thought he was a tra I thought she was a trad cat. <laughs> a trad cat. <laughs> well, apparently if she's Salome, she is, but yeah. is Salome's real name Rosenbaum? It, you know, it might be honestly. <laughs> Did Salome die in 9-11? Did Salome's one. original gender die in 9-11? Which is why you say she was born after 9-11? Maybe that's what it was. It's exactly when she, her current self was born. Like a phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> Rising. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like a phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> Can I look at you? Oh yeah, yeah, I got you, got you. Should I just look ahead or look at you? Tough tap, tough call. It's, um, it's like haunting. You know? It's haunting. Yeah. The horror cannot be the, the horror cannot be imagined yeah. in, in, in all its depth, unless you were in the tower and you went down with the tower. Yeah. And you also have to think about, you know, looking at all the all the how many of those firemen and, and policemen yeah. just. Jump, like dove right in after them and tried to save them and the 418 of them died I mean 418 of the firemen and policemen died trying to save people and they just dove straight in they did not hesitate 
like you dove right in after them just like your, your dog would, would jump in after you into a fire For all the, um, for all the uh, more, you know, economic and technological, really, uh, dividing lines as to like when the world has changed forever that, that people kind of point to now, like iPhone, uh, you know, the Great Recession, whatever, whatever. For me, given my age, and given everything that happened, given the way my life has just sort of been scheduled out, yeah. it's 9-11. Like, 9-11 uh, is really, and it was like the, millenn like the new millennium starts now. Kind of all the horror, all the horror of it can be traced to this event. The onslaught of images as a, as a psychic, uh, as a tool of psychic uh, destabilization yeah. starts from this event. In many ways, uh, this invented the digital revolution, you know? bizarre to see the images um, that people have. Uh, I mean, Falling Men, you know, being like one of the most uh, controversial. The Falling Men is just the most haunting idea. Yeah. The idea that people spoke, looked out their windows that day and saw all those people jumping off is just, just like rattles me to my core. And it makes me, and it makes it all the crazier that it just, it goes to show you how almost we like, it was, we were prepared to deal with it in the moment, as yeah. I think most people are. Yeah. We were like, you know, everyone, you know, it was all hands on deck. And we were all, everyone was trying to save people. Everyone was doing the right thing. I mean, roughly. It was a great, it was actually a heroic moment for the history of the United States. But we couldn't handle this, it's almost like we couldn't handle or were not built to even process anything related to the trauma of it. And we just became completely frivolous creatures the minute the, minute the funeral ended. Like the whole 2010s, and obviously the war in the Middle East had a huge part to play in this because it soured us on a sincere engagement with this reality. It made us think that it was all kind of big one big lie one big hoax and then people start getting into 9-11 trutherism all this shit because of the failures in the middle east so a lot of the blame goes on that obviously but whatever it is the, the fact that remains that like we became suddenly weirdly after about you know after about okay six seven eight years we became suddenly weirdly absurdly frivolous <laughs> like we just don't want to deal
deal with the trauma of it? I think just deal with, no, I mean reality of life anymore. I mean, yeah. I just, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I'm, I'm describing the entire 2010s uh, rebellion from, from uh, reality that we, we kind of all bemoan now culturally. But it feels connected somehow to me. I don't know. It just that's why I see a connection, even though there's no direct it's not a direct connection. No, yeah. The direct connection is later. It's like the triggers are all, you know, from the from the year from the Obama administration. But I somehow see this like unwit like I, I there hasn't been a serious work of art about this to this day that I'm aware of. Not a serious book. I mean I know Jonathan Safran Foer tried to write one right away. There hasn't really been a serious movie. There's been a few popular yeah. blockbusters, you know, obviously, but there hasn't been any real reckoning with this. Like, people, I think, just would rather pretend it was a hoax or I don't know what. Like, what if you don't, you know, you're either a truther or you're like, eh, who cares? I don't know. Like, what's, what, it doesn't have a, it doesn't, it's, you, you never, you don't see anyone cite it as a profound event in their lives. If they're not, unless they're New Yorkers who are like super involved. Yeah. Say that again? I didn't say anything. Uh, I'm just looking at this camera. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bigger cam. <sighs> okay, Alan Abraham Schwartzstein. Maybe these people know them. Yeah, seriously. I mean, <laughs> now they're going to say that they added these names as a, just to throw us off the Wait, scent. so what is your point with looking for the Jewish Oh, you know, you know there's, the whole, there's, the whole, there's that famously, famous conspiracy theory that there were no Jews who died in 9-11. That's why I'm just jokingly citing the Jewish names that I'm finding here. Rothberg. Rothberg. There's clearly... As long as these names have not been artificially added here, <laughs> there's a. The, we wouldn't know, I guess. Yeah, we wouldn't know. His real name was Roth. Was was like Roth Monashoff, yeah. whatever. Was like uh, Roth Rothquisha. They changed it to Rothberg just to cover the tracks. That's what Kanye is talking about. Because we even know it was a black trans woman who who was the first to die in 9/11, you know, and throw the first stone back at the uh, terrorists. The first brick. Wasn't that like made up too? Yeah, it was. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the she like showed up like an hour later than it actually. Of course, happened. she's yeah. a black trans. She's a trans woman. She's gonna okay. show up late to everything. <laughs> There's no way she was the first to throw a brick. She was functionally she, on she time. Was, yeah, <laughs> she was fashionably late with her own little brick, like her own little like uh, brick necklace that she dangled over the the, the cops forebodingly. Let's walk to the other side. Yeah. I haven't really walked on that side. I think very soon it'll be very, very orange. I love it when New York gets orange. Yeah. You know, in Manhattan, it's always you're always being uh, obstructed by the buildings. Yeah really wonderful when you actually get to experience the light and the, everything reflecting.
Oh wow, look at all that. It's like, a, I mean, it's just like rapids flowing. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. I wonder if the camera can capture the boat, can capture that, yeah. no? Like it's, is it, it's gotta be intentional. Or is it just the wind making it happen spontaneously? Dominique Lisa Pandolfo, Kyungi Casey Cho, Manuel, Manuel Lopez, Arthur Warren Scullin, Mary Domenica Stanley, Kenneth Charles Ledy, Donna Marie Clark, Chappelle Renee Stewart Sarker, Mohammed Shah Jahan, Robert Allen Hepburn. I wonder if there's a relation. Christopher Joseph Dunn. Colin Arthur Bonnet. Joanne Rubino. Ramsey A. Doaney. Garo H. Voskergian. Andrew Bogdan, Gary Eugene Bird, Janetta Valentinovna Tsoy, Stephen George Weinstein, Stephen A. Giorgetti, Elizabeth Ann Darling, Michael Elaine Parks, David Joseph Grimner, Richard J. O'Connor, Jean C. De Palma, William R. Steiner, Edna Cintron, William John Dimling, Brenda E. Conway, Jimmy Neville Story, Rajesh Kondalwal, Linda Rosenbaum. Angela Reed Kite, Aminia Rasul, that's Armenia without the R, Michael John Cahill, Jennifer M. Tino, Narinder Nath, Phyllis Gail Talbot, Lydia Estelle Bravo, James Edward Portorti, Alexander Chang, Douglas John Farnham, Salvatore Guito, Virginia Elizabeth Fox, Richard Michael Caproni, Mark Schulman, Patrice Brout, Vincent M. Boland Jr. Denise Elizabeth Grant, Michael Lawrence Hannon, William Reed Bethke, John Anthony Spataro, Lawrence Don Kim, 
Jeanette Louis Lafond Manichino. Manichino. Robert David Pugliese. John M. Rigo. Yelena Melnichenko. Catherine Ann Shatsoff. Manny Leroy Clark. Jacqueline Delane Aldrich Frederick. Barbara Mary Habib. Peter Mutos. Greek. Susan Gail Santo. God, 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 God. Can you hold that out? Yeah. Like this? Like... Like this? Where should I look? That I'm not sure what's supposed to be. Nor am I. It doesn't look complete. It's like marble flooring. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a. It, it look. It doesn't look hollow. Like it doesn't look like. It just looks like a solid rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting a little bit of uh, cloud bounce. Yeah. Wait, are you roommates with Nick or not? Did I misremember that? No, I'm, he lives down, he lives more south from me. I'm just friendly. Yeah. yeah. I thought for some reason there was a roomy situation going on. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know where he's living now. Or no, I think it's fine. He's ready to get out. I think he's going to take a trip to Mexico soon. Oh, no kidding. Or like, Columbia or somewhere, El Salvador. Another rose, another white rose for Timothy Franklin O'Sullivan. Not much smell here. <laughs> no, but you have to, if you, you have to really stick your nose in to yeah. get it. Can I get a picture of you do <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of chlorine from the water. Yeah. Oh yeah, I get yeah. it. I'm getting it too. I don't think you'd have an emotional attack on the mall, but maybe let's we'll do it. Go yeah. Let's let's check it out. I just like the very. Uh, I like the shapes of it. Yeah. Almost vaginal looking. Oh yeah, it is. Very vaginal looking, actually. 
I guess that's the it's supposed to contrast with the obelisk of the, yeah. the new building. Yeah. The, with its pointy tip. Yeah. yeah. And life is born. And life is born. Born anew. Born anew. We passed the with the primordial penis and vagina. Yeah, I mean you know, I mean it's cheesy, but it's poetic. People have their strollers with the babies walking past the That is true. It is a place to bring your strollers with your babies <laughs> and to remind yourself that it was worth bringing a ch another human into this world, yeah. you know, that cope that they always do. How could I bring another person into this <laughs> world? <laughs> As if that's a real sentiment and not just a fake one. Here's another dimension I didn't think about the memorial is the, uh, the sound of... Uh, that booming white noise of the water flowing. Oh know? yeah. Yeah. And now it's getting quiet. Yeah, it's leaving. it's yeah. yeah I, I I just I I like I took it for granted while we were there. Yeah. Like that it was just part of. It's like this endless cascading, this fall falls yeah. you know like little falls, and now it's gone and I feel I feel naked I feel <laughs> deaf. Is <laughs> the silence is deafening. I think you kind of almost need that in like a... Because you're just overwhelmed by the sound of it. I couldn't imagine what it was like if you walked past that and it was dead silent, you know? Yeah, freaky. It would feel less alive. It know? would, yeah. Although if it suddenly went silent while you were peak, while you were there, it would be really creepy. There we go. Here's an interesting visual. Yeah. This is cool. My grandmother came from Russia, a satchel on her knee. My grandfather had his father's cap he brought from Italy. They'd heard about a country where life might let them win. They paid the fare to America and there they melted in. Lovely Lady Liberty with her book of recipes. by the English, but also by the Germans, Dutch, and French. The principal still sticks, our heritage is mixed. So any kid could be the president. You simply melt right in. It doesn't matter what your skin, it doesn't matter where you're from or your religion. You jump right into the great American melting pot. Great American melting pot. Ooh, what a stew and white. Legend told on steamboats by the million, 
immigrants. They brought their country's customs, their language and their ways. They filled the factories to the soil, helped build the USA. Go on and ask your grandma, hear what she has to tell. How great to be American and something else as well. Obviously, but no, this is just started like a couple week week ago or so. The Ed Hopper part. This was the BNL when I was here. Biennial, whatever. Totally different. This entire floor has been completely renovated. Approaching a city. Any surprises to you? about Hopper because you'd seen his show at uh, DC didn't you that one time when we were when I was living there and it was I mean it's brilliant here's the capitalist one that I talked about with Harry that I tried to remember what it was drugstore 1927 that's the like the asymmetries imperfect photographs the perfectly painted imperfect photographs where here on this like the, this the lady's an, ass hanging out well but half yeah, it's an imperfect photo yeah if you were to stock it this would be one of the thousand photos you took of that night of stocking this apartment right and it's a very let's talk about rear window rear rear window this is rear window Year, this year, it seems like the wind's blowing out of the house. 
in their mouth. It does seem like the wind is blowing out of the house. Maybe she's farting. And then it's classic. Um, Automat basically means diner. It's diner. And the classic interior, the, the ca eyes cast down. Looking into the, looking into her own coffee cup as if she's reading her own coffee cup. Um, most of these women are just looking out, the, looking out the frame. Yeah. Like, you go on that side. There's a you know, maybe it's wifeless and Joe looking out. Well, is that, and you know what we talked about? His wife giving all her paintings to this thing, and they burned. They just got it. They all destroyed. Ah, uh, that famous uh, sitcomy one. Did you see the one with the big with the clown? The one that we were I was talking about. Is it here? There, it? Yeah, it's in the permanent collection. That's a good one. Nighthawks is in Chicago. It is, unless but it's they have some sketches in the other room, like his sketches. Yeah, there's his wife. I can now I can recognize her. The only thing that caught my eye is that is the new piece of content. And it's just, you know, perhaps important sometimes to, to consider, uh, consider these things. Reality and fantasy of your wife's In, the, in his personal journal, Notes on Painting from 1950, Hopper described his desire to create a realistic art from which fantasy can grow. At a time when many artists in New York had grown skeptical of figurative painting and aligned themselves with new modes of abstraction, etc. Hopper did mm -hmm. da 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 depictions so, of cafeterias, theaters, offices, and apartment bedrooms occupied a potent middle ground with their radically simplified geometry and uncanny dreamlike settings. Point being, sometimes pays to swim against the waves, doesn't it? I, well, like unless, yeah. As long as you get to keep the salt out of your eyes. humans of a place or like collected humans of Edward Hopper it's like it's a, it's a it's a good it's a good capture like right. where is he looking you know he's looking um, out there the he's not looking at her well they're both they're both not doing what they're, they're both do. not they're looking at each other this is just like your scene in the in your short movie she's looking at her nails and he is looking at the empty street which is empty sometimes the most difficult Dropped that and walked away. <laughs> Just dropped that in, walked away, came in, dropped, walked away. 
flitted away. Intermission. This is a good one. Shit. Intermission. This is a fitting little flight of this is a this is the great this is the ultimate like this is 1932. This is every sitcom is this painting. Every marriage. Room in New York, 1932, is every sitcom and every marriage. And this is when they're still hot. Look at them. They're both young. They're both in their 20s. And there he is, facelessly staring at the news as she facelessly stares at the piano. Her fingers on the piano key. So close yet so far. At this unique distance from solitude. What was it line? The Larkin line? Or unique it's, distance. And yet it's, it's a performance. It's a performance of loneliness. Yeah, because they're, in fact, the, their problem is that they're too unlonely. The problem is that they're, up, they're, they're too, they're so immersed in each other that they have to pretend that they're something. Yeah, but they're, ultimately they're both crying out for help. But they don't, but they don't have the words. They can't talk it, they can't say what they want and need. Two comedians, 1966. Oh, these are, this is, these are the characters, I think, from the other painting upstairs. Yeah, I have no, sh I have absolutely no shame about liking him over all the others. Not that it's a competition. A, here's something I've never seen. Here's the one that, you know that one well, yes, that one hangs in my apartment. This one, New York movie, hangs in my apartment. I like his titles too. His titles are just on point. Wait, let me see this. Let me look at this one. It's like a, some kind of rehearsal. Two on the aisle. Theater turn. No, these are the audience. Yeah, I'm similarly obsessed with looking at audiences in these in theaters versus stages. It's right there, the very first movie. 
some people think it's funny, and then there's some. You, know, I mean, you don't need to return them unless you really want. Huh? You don't really need to return this is it. I don't mean to return. I mean, maybe when I'm back. I'm, oh, I, right. not, no, I'm not on this trip. I don't know. I just think like... The crazy thing is that, you know... Did he paint these two? Wow. Office at night. Provocative and ambitious depiction of the modern workplace. This after hour scene. 1940. And her ass is fully in the Joanne, what's her name, what's her face? From the Mad Men. This is like she's doing a full on, full on. Uh, the thick, twisted air of the office at night. Quote, glimpses of office interiors that were so fleeting as to leave fresh and vivid impressions on their mind. And the ever, and the ever present. Very much the Randian thing, right? Oh. Man in tune with nature, woman in tune with man and all that. Yeah. Well, is he in tune with nature or is he in tune with technology? He's, well, he's literally committed to the word because <laughs> he's, he's at copy editing and his magazine. She's trying to grasp what he's doing. She's admiring what he's doing. Yeah, she's admiring the intensity with which he's editing this copy. She does not yet know that it's a big sham. Well, she looks, she's like she's about 22 at the max, despite all the white makeup. Examining the words under the light, under the desk light. Like pay twenty dollars, you get to club. Eduard Hopper's New York. You see this Ibsen? Wait, this is not. Do you see his Ibsen drawing?
down. We got the big elevator going down. Alrighty. Big giant elevator. 